0: podcasts you love
1: from people you trust
0: this is
2: twit hi this is leo laporte and this is my tech guy podcast this show originally aired on the premier network on sunday january 12th 2020 this is episode 1660 enjoy the tech guy is brought to you from twits last pass studios securing every access point in your company doesn't have to be a challenge LastPass unifies access and authentication to make securing your employees simple and secure. Check out lastpass.com twit to learn more. The Tech Eye Podcast is brought to you by Epson's EcoTank printers. Now you can kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. The Epson EcoTank printer comes with a ridiculous amount of ink. Just fill and chill. Check out Epson's EcoTank printers at epson.com slash ecotankleo. Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Yes, it's time once again to talk tech, computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smart watches, all that jazz, 8888-ASK-LEO, the phone number, 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, outside that area. You can still use Skype out, you can call us, and it should be free, 888 827 Five five three six. Easier to remember eighty eight eighty eight ask Leo and just type out those letters. There is a website. We put uh, all the stuff we talk about on the website, techguylabs.com. No sign up, no charge, no fee, no nothing. We just want you to have access to the data so that you know you don't have to write stuff down while you're driving. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. I'm back from CES, the trade show formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show. Lots of stuff. Forty-five hundred booths. Some booths with a dozen products. So, as you might imagine, there was no way to see everything. Not even, not even close. In fact, I I realized after going, and I hadn't been for eight years. It's really like a football game. You know, it's like the difference in going to a football game with bad seats (laughs) and trying to figure out what those ants on the field are doing when they're all mushed together. Versus watching it on television, where you have the best seat in the house. And honestly, it's a lot easier to cover CES from a distance. Let, let, let the bloggers, let the podcasts, let the journalists do it. They bring back all sorts of stuff, and then you can go through it. Because most of the stuff is kind of, I don't, you know. You probably saw the Charmin toilet paper robot that brings you TP when you most need it. Not a product. Not a product. Never going to be a product. It was there for one reason, to get your local news to show the robot and mention Charmin. It's a free ad. I went over to the booth. They had a golden toilet seat. I said, what does this do? I thought maybe this is some other new technology from Charmin. The the guy said, it's it's just a gold toilet seat. (laughs) I said, great, with the Charmin logo on it. Great. That's kind of CES in a nutshell. You you could learn a lot more just by you know scanning a few news articles, and, then, and you'd be a lot happier. It was you know it's fun. I like going because you also see all your old friends, all the journalists who are not senior enough to say I'm not doing it this year. Uh yeah. If you get you get to a certain point in your uh, tech journalism career where you can just say I yeah no uh, no not for me not this year. And I think I probably won't do it again for another 10 years. Because if you do it every 10 years, then supposedly things change. And there were a few things. I mean, 8K is the new thing. When I was there last time, we were all happy with HD TV. That was the big thing. And uh, and 4K was coming. And so there were 4K sets on the show floor. Now there are 8K. That's not double 4K, despite how it sounds. It's doubled it in width and height. So it's f- it's four times the number of pixels. And if you have a 4K TV, you might look at it and say, do I really need four times more dots? Probably not. Probably not. But it's coming anyway. It doesn't matter what you need. <laughs> if you'll buy it, they'll make it. And you know what? People will look at it and they'll go, well, that's 8K. It's uh, twice as good, honey. Well, now you, could, you can walk up. You could tap on the shoulder and say, no, actually, it's four times as good. And it's no better. It's simultaneously four times as good and no better. It's a little, it's a tech industry paradox, but there's lots of those, right? The company AMD, which is a competitor to Intel, showed a microprocessor. And really, I, you know, I guess it's for bragging rights. They're Ryzen microprocessor with 64 cores. That's 64 individual processors in the one, 64 and nobody, Intel can't, no one could do that. Only AMD. And that's why they showed it, right? You want to know how much it is? It costs the chip alone, without a computer, costs $4,000. Then you have to add memory, a motherboard, a hard drive, a case, a screen, a keyboard, a mouse, you know, all the other stuff. Just the chip by itself, the brain. And the truth is, who's it? I don't know who it's for. Well, I know who actually do know who it's for, but it's not for you and me. It doesn't make your games better which is really the highest-end application most normal people ever need. If you are, however, working at Pixar or Disney and you're trying to get your movie out the door before 2025, you would want this. 64 cores, they could all work at the same time, speeding up what the, they call it the rendering, the drawing of the images in these, in these computer-animated movies. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I have, uh, I'm very happy to say, I have on my desktop a 10-core iMac Pro. My laptop is a 6-core MacBook Pro. Is the 64-core AMD chip 8 times better? Yes and no. Simultaneously, it's 8 times better, and it's no better. It depends what you're doing. And I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not making my next the next Pixar film in my living room. <laughs> in fact, really, uh, I probably should explain more often that this doesn't make a big difference because most of the programs you use care more about one core, maybe two, and the speed of that than the total number, 64 cores, because no operating system and very few programs are able to divide their tasks up Say you, processor one, you do this, two, you do that, three, you do that, all the way up to 64. No, You know, most programs don't
3: <laughs>
2: lend themselves to that. Okay, processor one, you take any time Leo types a space, you take that. If he types the A, that's processor two. If he types a B, that's processor three. If he types a C, processor four. No word processor works like that. In fact, even if you have an ancient computer running Windows XP, I... Windows 95, DOS 6. Even if you have a computer from 1981, the original IBM PC, most of what it's doing is waiting for you to type another key. Almost 90% is just sitting there going, come on, Leo, hit another one. Hit a- What comes after A, Eat Leo, come on. In, in computer terms, we're just snails, even with an old slow processor. So... <laughs> don't don't worry about that. There is something I did see, in fact, something I bought that might make a difference. I might. We're starting to see the first 802.11 AX Wi-Fi access points It's a lot of words. In fact, so many words the Wi-Fi Alliance people name this stuff. The one you have probably is an AC, it might be an N. Uh, they they're the ones who name it. They finally said, you know, forget this. We're just gonna call it Wi-Fi six. Because that way, if you have Wi Fi five eight 80211 dot eleven AC, you'll know Wi Fi six is one better. <laughs> so Wi Fi six is starting to come out now. The problem is, if you want to take advantage of it, you need two things: you need a Wi Fi six enabled access point. I just bought a uh, Netgear that does that. It's the Orbi does the the new Orbi Pro has Wi Fi six. It's for testing purposes to see if it makes a difference, and then. Your device also has to have Wi Fi six. Well, if you have a Samsung Galaxy Note ten or an S ten, it does. If you have an iPhone eleven, it does. Very few laptops do, but the new the new crop of laptops we saw at CES will. So if you get you know, if you get an Dell XPS thirteen, get the brand new one, which is very pretty, very nice. It has Wi Fi six in it. And then you have to get a new router. And what will you get, Leo? Well, it's probably going to be a little faster. Yeah, yeah, a little. Might not. It depends. Probably a little faster. The real point of Wi-Fi 6, it turns out, is we all have so many devices now attached to the Wi-Fi thanks to our locks and Amazon Echoes and TVs and all. How many things you probably have in your house already. Used to be you'd have a computer, a desktop, a laptop, a tablet, and a phone, maybe four things. Your wife has a phone and a laptop. That's six things. Now typically people have 20 30 40 I have more than 50 devices in my house. I know I'm an outlier but still. So Wi-Fi 6 will handle up, better handle all these devices up to 60 devices now. And it if everything's Wi-Fi 6 it'll kind of say oh you get this you get this. it does it's, it's it's all you need to know is better. <laughs> it's a little better. Wi-Fi 6. Honey, we're getting Wi-Fi 6. It's one better. Pretty much that's the motto of the tech industry. It's simultaneously better and not better. Because it all depends. 8888 Ask Leo. This year, I'm one better. (laughs) Give me a call. This year, Roberto is one better today. Happy birthday, Roberto. His it's a big six oh for Roberto. That's a big one. That's a big one, Roberto. Congratulations. I remember when I was it's a hundred twenty eight threads, sixty four cores. Don't confuse cores with threads, Mike B. Cores are physical processors, but then they're hyper threaded, so it's one hundred twenty eight threads. Not cores. If you know what I mean, if you get what I'm saying. It's a miracle, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the unbreakable Kimmy Sheffer. Sheffer. Hello, Kimmy Sheffer?
1: Good morning. You're
2: happy. I'm I know why happy. you're happy too.
1: Ugh. Wow. <laughs>
2: I yesterday was kind
1: of amazing but we just get to do it again next week i feel
2: guilty because i'm not wearing any 49ers gear see that's our sport ball team
1: sport ball team yes i will be wearing some next week i wore red yesterday in their honor but i, I have my nails are red and gold
2: nice <laughs> that's that's all you need i have one of those I should, I'll should. wear it next time. A puffy 49ers jacket. You know, the gold. solid. Oh, you've got
1: the old school The old
2: school one. solid you gold have to puffy jacket. wear it next jacket. Sunday. I will wear it next Sunday. It's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's designed for games at Lambeau Field in beautiful Green Bay, Ugh. Wisconsin.
1: I can't believe I have to cheer for the cheeseheads today. The it snow really is coming
2: down. Moves. I have a cheesehead even. I
1: know you do, but...
2: In my house, I have a cheese head. Our, our 17-year-old I is know. a Packers fan. I don't fan. understand that. But. It's going to be interesting today because his father, I'm his I'm stepdad, his father comes over to watch the games. Yeah. And, uh, and he is such a dyed-in-the-wool Niners fan right. that when the Packers beat the Niners uh, <laughs> last year, he wouldn't even talk to him. <laughs> he wouldn't even talk to him. So it's a family drama coming up later today. Well,
1: if they win today, next week's going to be super exciting then because that's who will play i know
2: i'm glad we're not going well i'm glad we're not going to green bay though i think it's snowing in green bay right now who wants
1: to be there yeah seattle might not be able to deal deal with that weather i think that's in their advantage i hope not to their advantage
2: so uh you've been uh more to more to the point because geeks you as you probably know (laughs) are not interested sports ball they call they call football hand egg hand egg (laughs) they're not interested in the the hand egg score or who had a home run they just want to talk about tech. So who should we talk to first?
1: Let's go to Rich in Garden Grove, California. Rich.
2: Hi, Rich. Thank you, Kim. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
4: Hey, Rich. Leo? Hey, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for creating your podcast, your YouTube channel, and the com. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot, even though I'm not a tech person. Thank you.
3: I
2: had a lot of energy when I was younger. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I kept I kept doing things. You get to a certain age you go, "Why did I do all those things?" But yeah. I'm no, I'm glad. We we love it that the podcasts are all week long. If you like the tech guy, you'll probably get really geeked out at twit.tv. It's this week in tech. T W I T. What can I do for you though? Sounds Thank good. you for your kind oh. words. Yes. Okay. So here's my
4: problem. He's- we have eight filing cabinets full of files. In the garage, we would like to digitize them. And my wife's in the wife, and my wife's in the medical and law field, so we'd like to get rid of the uh, cabinets so we can yeah. add more stuff to our garage. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So- well, the nice, you know, really, the nice thing is go out and get a. Um, I would get a, a big old network attached storage. That's a uh, basically it's a computer, but it doesn't have a keyboard or mouse or monitor. It sits on your network, and it has typically multiple drives, anywhere from two to twenty. Uh, for you, if you have many filing cabinets, even two drives would probably be enough. But you could get four drives if you want. I use a NAS from a company called Synology. I like a lot. In fact, I just upgraded my Synology NAS. I have thirty terabytes, which is many, many more filing cabinets than you have. But the, what happens is you fill it up with other things. You use it to back up. You use it for movies and TV shows, and so you can use that capacity. Then the next step is you got to scan it. Get a scanner. Something you can. Turn the paper in those filing cabinets into bits that you could store on your NAS. Truthfully, even if you have a laptop with a terabyte hard drive, you could probably get all those filing cabinets on that, too. And if she wants to have it with her at all times, that would be a great way to do it. Uh, there are a lot of scanners that will do this. Uh, I should give pride of place to our fine sponsor, Epson, because they make something. And it's kind of, you know, the name confuses people. The Fast Photo, it's called. It's a, it's a photo scanner, but it has a very good sheet feed, and it can hand, handle anything, including paper documents. And so that's high volume? Yeah, the, what, yeah, in fact, it even says on the web page, high speed, high volume. And the, the reason you want a good sheet feeder is because you don't want to stand there one at a time feeding the paper in there. What you'll do is you'll take her pleadings, and, you know, those are long-form, special-size legal page. You take the staples out if they're staples, but then you could just put the individual pages in the in the sheet feed, and it just goes, vroom, 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 vroom. And then when, it, well, when it's done, you come back, and you put another stack in and another stack. It's about one a second. It's very fast.
4: Okay, so would this work with, I have a Chromebook, and I uh, subscribe to Evernote Premium. So that would work with uh, that system?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, Chromebooks work with printers and scanners. Um, I'll just mention some others because there are other companies that do this. There's one called Neat Receipt, and they also make a a document scanner. As you can tell from their name, they expect you to scan receipts, but it also will scan plain old documents. Do you want – here's the real question. Do you want – OCR, do you want to turn the documents into editable text, or do you just want a PDF of the documents? Yeah, I think PDF would be fine. Yeah, good. Because <laughs> OCR is hard, because, you know, the typeface, if it's tiny type, you know, it can make it hard. You can, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't OCR it. You can go ahead and do that, and, and most of these uh, scanners will come with some OCR. Just don't expect a perfect copy, but it'll give you enough of the text so you can search. And then you pull up the PDF and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it says. So it's nice to have that. Neat.com or Epson.com slash fast photo, either one uh, would mm-hmm. do that. You're looking for a sheet feeder that's fast. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because you want to just nice. kind of go in the garage. You, you can even put it in the garage. I'm pretty sure it'll work with a Chromebook. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah,
4: because when I looked at a scan snap that's rated very highly.
2: That's another good one. I've used them for I years.
4: 500, yeah. but it says Mac and it says PC, and I was trying to search. It doesn't say, doesn't say anything about Chromebook, so I don't know if I could go ahead and scan the stuff in, scan it to Evernote. And then since I have the Evernote on the Chromebook, it would work.
3: Yeah,
2: that should but
4: maybe work. not. I d- yeah, I don't Google
2: know. has changed the the landscape. It used to support something called Cloud Print. And they're turning that off, but I think now because of that, they have native drivers in all this stuff. So I think, yeah, it should work just fine. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I said the the G word, and it woke up. Hey, Sam.
0: Hey, Leo. How are you? Ya? You got home okay? I take it. I did. Didn't didn't uh, bring any uh, substantial bugs back with me either, so I know. know we were really uh, healthy.
2: We were I, well. Lisa was sick to begin with, but uh, and came home sick. But I didn't get it, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy.
0: So I'm not. a another one. Even survived my ride in a in a Russian uh, um, autonomous car. <laughs> Somebody was saying that some of the Waymos didn't
2: have safety drivers.
0: They have a few that are part of their early rider program Yikes. in Chandler. Yikes. Uh, so it's part of the beta program. It's not part of the, the paid Waymo One service. Ah. So they, they do have some that they're running without safety drivers. Uh, but there's still somebody from Waymo in the vehicle. They're just not in the driver's seat. Oh, interesting. And and, and the, uh, the Yandex car that I rode in on Wednesday morning also did not have a safety driver. There that was, scares uh, me. There was somebody in the in the uh, right front seat with his hand hovering near the big red button, uh, the kill switch <laughs> to shut the thing down in case wow. anything went wrong. But wow. fortunately, that never happened. So, so they drive well. in I mean, the traffic was horrific at CES. It was terrible. Well, where, yeah, where where Yandex was doing their demos from, they were operating out of the um, uh, the Hard Rock Hotel. Oh, Rush. they were in the park. Po- and parking so it was yeah. down in the southeast side of Vegas. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it was early in the morning, so there was very little traffic along uh, the loop that that we drove on. Uh, uh, so it was it was a pretty easy route. I uh, well, is that what you want to talk about? we you just
2: talking about CES, I guess, in general. Uh,
0: we can talk about CES in general, and I also wanted to touch on the the Sony Vision S concept that's behind me there. <laughs> um, that's the the Sony EV that we saw, um, which I don't believe that Sony's ever actually going to build. John Gruber was great during Fireball. He said they might as well call it the Concept Electronics
2: Show. Everybody shows concepts that <laughs> yeah. are never going to ship.
0: Well, certainly from an automotive standpoint, that is mostly the case. You know, yeah. most of the vehicles you see there are not production intent vehicles. We should. Somebody wants to talk more about the uh, amazing
2: uh, Audi smart headlights. Oh yeah, we can do that. That was. I thought that was the coolest thing I saw.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, those and were why fun. we can't I, I, get them in the United States yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually saw those demoed at the LA Auto Show and they were you know, it was so cool. That's why I wanted to uh, do it during our uh, our time on Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Save it for our time on Tuesday. Yeah.
2: So just tune it Tuesday. Which show are you gonna be on on Tuesday? No, la- I'm talking about last Tuesday. Oh yeah, yeah. We did it, we did it at our CES thing. I feel guilty because it was such uh, i did such a terrible job shooting it uh made no, some I, bad choices it was it gave you a sense of immediacy <laughs> but uh I feel like uh I should have probably brought a professional shooter with me. I just wanted to go really light
0: yeah
2: no it was it was fun yeah, it was fun doing it. And I think some videos. There's some good stuff there. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. If you could bear with the sound and the video and the focusing I, and the lighting. I was lighting. surprised
0: at how good it actually sounded with that shotgun mic. That I mean, shotgun's a great mic. really clear.
2: I agree. I think in some Especially ways...
0: Especially with all the ambient noise. Yeah,
2: I think in some ways it'd be better than a handheld. It's very, very directional. The problem yeah. is if you're not aiming at the person, they get off mic. And so that's a little tricky. You have to...
5: Yeah.
2: We finally learned, don't shoot anything but the people. Get them close together. Get them... Shoot them, and then you could shoot all the B-roll later. But it yeah. t- took us a while to learn that one. I feel like I, <laughs> I don't know. I feel next good, year. Next year. Never again.
0: You got it right next year.
2: Never again. <laughs> I see you made it home safe and sound.
0: I did. Uh, got home on Thursday afternoon without any uh, major uh, illnesses. So I consider myself lucky. It's funny because uh used to be the Detroit Auto Show followed CES, and it would be a crazy week. But they've moved yeah, it now, right? Usually usually this time after CES I would already be well into uh Detroit Auto Show stuff but they have moved the auto show to June this year. Hallelujah. Uh, so so I think uh you know sh- hopefully it should be a little easier so I can actually give me a, f- a little time to decompress after CES. Is CES uh as good for cars as a car show? No. No well it's different. Um so you know at 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 auto shows, what we see is the products that are coming to market, you know, this year and the following year. You know, the, the the stuff that they're actually trying to sell. CES is about a lot of technologies that typically we might be seeing five or ten years down yeah, the road. Yeah. Uh, or in many cases, never. Uh, My friend, <laughs> the
2: blogger, John Gruper, said they should rename it the Concept Electronics Show because
0: it's all a concept. In fact, you're sitting in front of a concept vehicle. Yeah, this this was – a. a all the things at CES in 2020, this was probably one of the single biggest surprises. Nobody, nobody that I know of was expecting a concept car from Sony. Sony. Uh, yeah. So Sony Sony, uh, during their press conference, I guess it, I didn't actually see the press conference, but I guess right towards the end of the press conference, they rolled out this car they called the Vision S which is a four-door electric sedan. Uh, you know, nothing too earth-shattering about that. You know, it's an increasingly common thing, you know, like, similar in size to like a Tesla it model. It looks like I'll, I'll it create. could be a Tesla, frankly. But, yeah. Yeah. You know. um, and is it the, electric? It, oh, is it self-driving? It is electric. Yeah, um, not not self-driving. In fact, I'm not sure that it's even like fully drivable. It's, 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 it's never it, driving. <laughs> well, t- well, uh, you know, typical concept cars, you know, from any company are usually, you know, they 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 can barely move under their own power, just enough to get them up onto the stage and off the stage yeah. and maybe to a show stand. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it's probably a little more drivable than that. Um, so what this was, Sony didn't actually build this car. They worked with a supplier called Magna International. They're one of the largest automotive suppliers in the world. And Magna, through their various divisions, builds just about everything that goes into vehicles today, um, except maybe tires is about one of the only things they don't do. They do you know, a lot of interior stuff, a lot of electronics, sensors, lights. Um, wheels, um, body stampings, and they even assemble complete vehicles under contract for other car makers. Uh, like for example, they at their they have a plant in uh, Austria, uh, a division called uh, Magna Steyr, where they produce vehicles for Jaguar, including oh. the Jaguar I Pace. Oh. Uh, they they produce the Mini Countryman uh, crossover oh, there.
2: Yeah, they.
0: They produce vehicles for BMW. The new BMW Z4 and Toyota Supra are built there. So they, they build vehicles for many manufacturers, doing doing assembly, uh, local assembly for other companies. So because they have all these parts and components available to them, they have their own in-house design studio. Sony went to Magna to have them build this car for them as a showcase for stuff that Sony manufactures that they want to sell to the auto industry. Right. So. Things like OLED displays for for the interior display, um, the you know other other displays for the uh, like the rear seat entertainment system, cameras that can be used for driver assist features or for the exterior uh, camera mirror systems. Um, they Sony's even getting into making lidar sensors because they already make lasers for things like Blu-ray players. So why not you know do the same for for light you know you repurpose that technology for lidar. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of different components that uh, some of which Sony already sells, some of which they'd like to get into the market for. That they use this as a showcase to, uh, to 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 show off, you know, what can be done with Sony technologies. Yeah, there was a crowd around that car all week long. People were very interested in it.
2: I wonder though. I mean, really, it's. I mean, if you're not going to build a car, it doesn't. It's not that meaningful to show one. That's the problem I well, have with the CES anyway is just there's all this stuff that never will ship.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like, as I said, if you want to, you know, as a, as a platform as a showcase to show off, here's the technologies that we do and here's how easily easy, easily it can be integrated into your cars, Is your that vehicle. their goal is to get uh, end users to put them in or to get car no, no, companies no, to, to use to get, them? To get car makers yeah. to, to buy their stuff. So that was the so, intended I mean, audience, right? Yeah. And, and you know, because – CES is not open to consumers anyway. I mean, that's, that's – the companies that go to CES, they're trying to sell stuff to each other. You know, when suppliers like Sony or Aptiv or Bosch go there, they're looking for, com- you know, the automaker customers to look at their technologies and, and buy them. You know, and, you know, for the automakers, you know, it's always been about just kind of showing off uh, to technology media some of their future tech and where right. they're going t- five right. or ten years down the road. Right.
2: What else did you see at CES that was of interest? I mean, you—we walked around. We saw a
0: lot of self-driving cars. Did you ride in any of those? I did. I, I rode in a couple of different ones. I got uh, several rides uh, while using Lyft in some of Aptiv's uh, automated vehicles. They've been and in also- Vegas for
2: a while. That's not just for CES. Yeah, they've been—they've
0: been operating commercial service there with Lyft for almost two years now. How it—is it, is it we- like? Are you going extra slow? Do you feel like a regular person is driving? No, it It's going about about the same speed as the rest of traffic on Las Vegas Boulevard, which is you know not slow, very fast
2: but, yeah but you, but this, you know, it, that was, it, that's challenging there's pedestrians there's stop yeah. and go there, there, you know it's kind of I would not want to drive in Vegas during a big trade show like that. it was crazy yeah no it was it was pretty
0: intense we had a human uh,
2: card. A human taxi driver that almost killed us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I also, I also rode in one of Yandex's uh, prototype automated vehicles, uh, and that was the first time on public streets without a safety driver uh, for no, me. Nobody, I'd, I'd in the, on,
2: and nobody in the driver's seat?
0: Nobody in the driver's seat. Uh, There's a guy in the right front seat uh, with, hand, with his hand hovering near the big red button to, to shut the system off if anything went wrong. Yandex but, car uh, from Russia. Yeah. Russia. Rocha. Um, and and then um you and i and ant also saw a demo of uh, audi's latest headlight technology Ooh. which uh, somebody asked about in the chat room we have a video of that that was really cool it would the headlights would would project
2: lane markers ahead of you so you could see where the car was going to be if it was drifting or
0: whatever uh they also these led headlights but you can't buy them in the us no, they're, they're not legal in the U.S. right now. The U.S. headlight regulations are still pretty strict. Uh, they're in the process. Evalu- NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, is evaluating the rules to um, right now, there, there's a comment period out on changes to that's, those regulations. That's things.
2: reasonable because yeah, it might look good for you as the driver, but who knows what it looks like to the oncoming traffic?
0: They've got a well, and that's that's what's cool about these lights. Uh, they're called digital matrix LEDs, and Audi actually uses DLP technology, which you might remember from projection TVs. Yeah, so they actually they actually use uh, a TI uh, DLP chip in there, and. It's a 1.3 megapixel display, basically. So from the LEDs, it, it can cast any kind of light pattern on can the road. Can you wink at uh, cute uh, women going in the other direction with you your headlights? Could you do that. Um, or, you know, uh, what it can, one of the things it can do is if there's a car coming up to you or, or you're following somebody, it can mask so out. Slow down, horse- down, buddy. So, so oh, you can have oh, okay. really bright lights around them ah, without, without blinding without them. So, you other don't. Drivers. Yeah, because that's some of the problems with auto high beams,
2: is suddenly you're in the dark. So, this way you would still be able to see everything. You just wouldn't blind the driver oncoming. Exactly.
0: Yeah. How it's cool. Really cool technology. It's Sam Apple 7. Right
2: now. I'm sure you'll be talking about all this and more on your podcast, Wheel Bearings at wheelbearings.media. He's also with Navigant Research, joins us every week got to get you uh, on our shows our regular our podcast soon too to talk about all this. It's really a fascinating time for automobiles. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Talk to you next week, Leo. Leo Laporte, the tech guy back to the phones right after this. Yeah, I love those LEDs. I can't, you know, that would be worth it. You think
0: it'll be uh, next next year or um I would guess Maybe the uh, latter half of 2021, so like for 2022 models, by the time NHTSA gets around and goes through the whole process of changing the regulations, I think that's probably about the soonest we'll see them in the U.S. I don't mind, uh, but, I don't mind a focus on safety. I think that's fine. Yeah. It's
2: the same reason we yeah, don't have I mean, camera mirrors yet.
0: Right. and And that's the other regulation Side that mirrors. they're evaluating right now. They yeah. want to change – they're trying to change that to allow the camera mirror systems. Right. So – Hopefully, in the next uh, year or two, we'll we'll have updated regulations and we can start bringing those technologies to the U.S. market. Nice, my buddy uh, Roberto Baldwin just got a yeah, get with car, car and Driver. And driver.
2: He's yep. gonna cover uh you know, auto tech for car and driver. I thought that was Yeah, good, great, good great gig news. for him, especially
0: yeah. since he's based in the Bay Area. Yeah, we love Roberto. So uh yeah. yeah.
2: Well, hey, I'm it was so much fun. Thank you so much for your help. Uh we got some great stuff in My the pleasure. in the can from uh, Sam at CES and I'm glad we you finally survived. got to sit in the Mach E. Oh man, I want that car. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about that. I have a new friend, however, Darren Palmer, my <laughs> new best buddy.
0: Darren, hi, Darren. And, and maybe we can get uh, Dave Parasek to send you some special parts for your car. I feel like Darren's going to move me up a little bit in the line. I mean, I'm I, I yeah, reserved you know, it. I think that might be a distinct possibility. <laughs> I reserved it the day after they announced it, so I'm not too far behind. Yeah. Um, and 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 you'll still be able to get the full seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit. On. I know. I am. I am. I really liked that car.
2: I really did. I thought it was really nice. The new. Mustang. Yeah. No. I think it's a good size. I. I, I think it'll do well. I think uh, Lisa and I will be happy driving it. And in honor of Lisa, I'm going to get red. <laughs> oh, you're not going to go with the carbon I was going metallic. With the carbon metallic. I saw it. Uh, they had a booth with the samples, and it looked a little light lighter than I ever thought. It was a little gray.
3: Yeah.
2: And I don't want gray. I, I would take black. But if failing black, I'm going to get red. But I can't wait. Yeah. Okay, Dude. Sam. Thank you for really uh, for helping me with with that. I appreciate it. Darren, <laughs> it it was, was so fun. Funny. I enjoyed it. You it was were... the most
0: fun two hours of my week. So. Oh, it
2: was awesome. You and I were standing there talking to the PR rep for Ford, and I see Darren come literally come like jogging over and kind of bouncing up and down. And goes this little boy. So I guess, I don't know, he wasn't our originally scheduled interviewer, I don't think, but he sure jumped in the, and we got him. It looked great. Yeah,
0: no, he, Darren, Darren's fantastic. Yeah. I've talked to him a few times before. He's so. really great in that British accent. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. that was He's so very enthusiastic fun. about it. I mean, he, As I he mean should everybody be. Working on the Mach-E team is, is so excited about this project. That team Edison is such a good idea. The
2: whole idea of that skunk works is... It's really uh, how Silicon Valley works. It's such a depart- departure for Detroit. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. One of the things uh, Sam did for us, he took us over at uh, CES. He took us over to the Ford booth and uh, went over there because I was, you know, I was very interested in the new electric Mustang, the Mach E. I already put a uh, order down, and I just wanted to see it, and and I was really thrilled because uh, one of the Ford executives. Actually, I think he's a big shot. Uh, Darren Palmer, who was responsible for creating Team Edison, the kind of skunkworks project to design this electric vehicle from the ground up, uh, came running over and said, Leo, I listened to the show. I'm so excited you're getting a Mach-E. I said, me too. <laughs> so he gave us a tour. We actually were able to get inside it and shoot uh, what it looked like from the inside. They weren't letting others uh, inside it, so we were very fortunate. Uh that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. I, that's going to be a fun vehicle to drive. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. <clears throat> Ask Leo is the phone number, and we go on to line two. That is Don in Springfield, Illinois. Hello, Don.
6: Hi, Leo. I logged into my Microsoft account and and checked in the signing history. Yeah, it shows an IP address from Ukraine. Try to log into my account once a week or so yeah and they always enter the wrong password it's good like, Should i be scared about this
2: <laughs> no it's a uh, universal um this is why we turn on two-factor and why we don't reuse passwords and why we don't use easy to guess passwords but i bet you're not doing any of those you're you've got a hard long crazy password right
6: I have LastPass, and
2: they made a password. for Nice. Me really that's long. the. Oh, now you're good. Now you're making me smile. You're making me happy. Not only because they're a sponsor. In fact, they named our Twit Studios are now the Twit LastPass Studios. So I'm a big fan. But you, it LastPass generated a very strong random password. So that hacker he can he can try once a week for the rest of his life. He'll never be able to guess <laughs> it. Somehow he got your email address. That's not hard, right? Your Microsoft login. Uh, that's easy. Your email address is all over. You know that because. We all get a lot of spam. So it's not. he's not really trying much that you should worry about. Do turn on two-factor. That's the thing where even if he guessed the password, he'd still have to have a six-digit code or approve it on the phone. Microsoft Authenticator does a nice job of that if you have that on your phone. It'll say, are you trying to log in? And you say yes or no. What's that app called? Uh, it's called Microsoft Authenticator. And you set it up with your Microsoft account. And actually, I really like it because from then on, when you're logging into Windows, the, when you do it the first time, it'll say you can get into the password or you can just say yes on the authenticator. It saves me a lot of typing. It is two-factor, so it makes it more secure. Um, it's a single sign-on app is what they call it. And I, I think it's well worth – if you use it, if you use Microsoft accounts in any respect, well worth using the Microsoft authenticator. But, I, you know, I have – uh, anybody who's got anything on the internet is going to get this from time to time. I have, uh, for instance, I have a uh, network attached storage that's online, uh, and I put it in the in public so I can get files from it as I am moving around. And uh, it has a very nice feature: if somebody tries to, I can say nobody can log in from China. Or I can say if somebody tries to log in and fails five times, block that IP address. There's all sorts of features like that. And when I look at the logs of that, or my website, or anything that's publicly on the internet, I see lots of login attempts. They're just trying. That doesn't mean they're going to get in. You're doing everything right.
6: It's the same IP address from Ukraine. He does it once a week, so that's why I was worried.
2: Yeah, well, uh, he's you got to admire his pluck. <laughs> <laughs> you The bigger concern would be some sort of automated attack where he logs in 100 times in an hour because that means okay. they're trying a bunch of different passwords. What is very likely here, and this is, this is you know, I'm going to kind of drill down on this because it, we say all the time, don't reuse passwords. Here's why. It's very likely at some point your Microsoft email address, your Outlook.com email address, and a, a password got leaked out in a breach. You know, there have been so many breaches. There's breaches all the time. There's new breaches every day. The, the newest is Travelex got breached on December 31st. They're, they're, I mean, there's just all the time. And when somebody gets addresses and passwords, the first thing they try is to log in. I bet you that same guy's tried to log into your Twitter account, your every other account you could possibly have with those credentials. He has a password. And he has a login. It might be a password you used on the Marriott site. Remember Marriott? They got breached half a billion records, got leaked out, certainly mine and yours. So what they've got is whatever email you used with Marriott and the password you used. But you're smart. You didn't reuse that password. You reset your Marriott password. He's got exactly nothing. Zippo, he's got your email so he's not he's probably trying every week just to see if I don't know, maybe if you changed it back to the old password, something like that. It's not it's nothing to worry about. It's the reason we use passwords and it's the reason we don't reuse passwords, it's also the reason you use LastPass, it's the reason we use two factor authentication, all of these things will protect you against exactly that kind of attack. So don't worry about it thanks I appreciate it great question uh, you know uh, you're paying attention see a lot of people this is happening to all the time and they don't you know not first of all not everybody will tell you but you can look at your gmail account and see if people have tried to log in from unusual countries a good a good security system will say no logins from you might be able to say only from the U.S. If you travel, then you, you know, for instance, I, I, I think my Gmail's that way. If I, if I go to Japan on, on vacation, I have to tell it, hey, I'm going to be logging in from Japan. Otherwise, it won't let me. Things like that. Those are very valuable tools. Using a password manager, also very valuable. Don't reuse passwords. And wherever you can, turn on two-factor. Use an authenticator on your phone, and, uh, and that makes you even more than twice as safe. Thank you for the call. Great question. Line three, John in Valencia, California. Hi, John. Hey, Leo. Long time viewer. I'm back in the day.
7: Thank How you. Are doing today?
2: It's good to talk to you. I'm doing great. How are you?
7: I'm doing great. Uh, I have a little problem with AT&T. Uh, last night, I logged into my account for the second time because I kept getting emails from them. And I noticed that it has internet usage da- uh, data. Yeah. It's from my home, my home internet.
3: Yeah.
7: And it already had me using 2.15 gigabytes
2: for Sunday. Meanwhile, it was still Saturday. Wow. Okay, so there's, there's two things at play here. Probably the date and time are not Valencia, California date and time. They're probably using UTC, Universal Coordinated Time. So Sunday comes eight hours earlier. But then, it's a reg- legit question. Were you watching Netflix last night or TV- streaming TV of any kind? No, it was just on my laptop. Huh. That does sound like an awful lot i 'm going to guess that the reason they, they had it ahead of time was because they 're using UTC, but you you should be able to check that. Does it have a time stamp uh, no it doesn 't yeah bet I bet its, it's they 're using remember we used to call it Greenwich Means time because right. att 's got you know at least three actually at least four time zones they 're worried about, so rather than worry about the time zone, they just do UTC A lot of computers do that. So that's why it's yeah, tomorrow. Also, yeah. Also, too, on Wednesday. I wasn't even home. Never used the. That yeah. worries me more. So do, I had, you're having for eight point two. Look, gigs. that's an awful lot. That's an awful lot. Now remember, though, downloads happen, uh, email check and stuff. But eight gigs is a lot of data. I would, uh, if your router, I don't know, you probably have AT and T router, but if your router can log, I would look at your local log, and you might even connect if once if you can get a local log. Then say to AT and T, "Hey, look, here's my local log. If you're on a Windows machine, Windows will tell you how much that machine is used. But just remember, there are other th- other things in your system. Do you have uh, security cameras? Uh, not at this time. I just moved, so oh, good. none of that's okay. up.
7: The only thing I have hooked up really is my MacBook, my TV, and
2: my Fire TV. Okay. That's TV good. does use a lot, but it doesn't use it when you're not watching it. Exactly. Yeah. It's just when it's off." Do you use your own router or do you use AT&T's? I was using theirs because I had because, like I said, I just got just moved. right. And if you have UVerse, yeah, you have
7: I spoke to. to. Yeah, and then after I spoke with uh, their
2: technician, finally. So get so a good router. Almost any good router will have logs of data usage. I would look there. You know, it's um, monitoring it from there. Yeah, but, I mean, remember, they win. if In a case of <laughs> in a, case of a tie, the judge's decision is final. Uh, they, they're going to win. But, but I would look, at, if you can log it, that's always a good idea. And then you can at least call them and say, look, I don't know what you're talking about. The time thing is absolutely because they use UTC. I've seen people complain about that before. But the the oh, amount of data, especially if you're 15. not home and it uses eight gigs, that's a big question mark. What's is somebody borrowing your Wi-Fi? Do you have a password on it. The password, well,
7: yeah, I well, I use the long password. Good,
2: yeah, use yeah, it. Use was, the WPA2 encryption. Well,
7: yeah, I had that was the way. You know, it was their router at first,
2: and I changed the name of
7: it, put in a high level security passcode, and Excuse me. Then turn around and uh,
2: just noticed it last night. Eight point two. I was like, I wasn't That's even home on that. Well, never used it. <laughs> I can think of things that might. For instance, Win- Windows ten downloads updates in the background ahead of time. Don't have a Windows computer. Good man. Mac. <laughs> well, that was from you from back in the day. Good man. I wonder if. Um, I wonder if uh, the Mac downloaded something in the background. No, That's why a log is really helpful because the then it'll say which device, you know, where that eight gigs went. Yeah, they're I, I was looking for the log, and even last night with their technician.
3: Yeah.
7: Uh, because he started when I explained it to him. Finally, when I got someone in the U.S., he turned around and he goes, "I've never seen this before."
2: Oh, interesting.
7: He says that is so weird. He goes. What do you mean? He, and he's right in their responses. Oh, you have to call on Monday, speak to billing. maybe they would know. And I'm sitting there going, Well, it's not the case. I mean, you're ready for six days of having a service. I'm already at 70 gigab- uh, gigabytes.
2: And you have a bandwidth cap on it? Uh, one terabyte. At yeah. Uh, yeah. Same with the Comcast for me at home, and I hit that a lot. Streaming uses a lot. Um, Make sure you stop, you know, if you leave Netflix on in the background and then uh, don't turn off the TV, but don't turn off the device. It could still stream. There's, that's why you really – a log is so helpful because then you can see which device sucked up all that data.
7: Yeah, well, that's why I hooked up my Nighthawk. Good.
2: Yeah, your Nighthawk right. will do that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, that's so watch, why it like definitely watch it like a hawk now. Watch it like a hawk. Definitely. <laughs> that's a good question. I appreciate it no, i just i just uh, since they couldn't answer
7: my question that their tech support could not answer that question for the first time they've even seen this
2: well that was I've that seen was, it i mean it stuff stuff downloads a lot i mean it's not unusual uh Windows does this in the background it drives me crazy. downloads like six or seven gigabytes overnight,
7: well, even like last night, I purposely shut everything down well shut everything down. I uh, took a reading on my MacBook Pro, shut that down. The only thing that was connected was my flat screen. And even and it wasn't even connected because I didn't even put my router back onto it, my new router back onto it. <clears throat> so there was nothing hooked up. And I woke up this morning, and I was at 5.5 and a half gigs.
2: Oh, yeah. Somebody's using
3: from, your Internet. 'm
7: three, yeah, well, I changed routers, changed passcodes. So I think it's something with... With AT and <laughs> maybe, yeah, because I didn't use the same passcodes. Okay. Yeah, don't
2: trust them. That's why you want to log it and see.
7: In fact, and I, LastPass is that's where I got that's the passcode that I generated through LastPass. So it's highly secured. And you're using WPA two. Do you have a guest network on there? No, I shut that off. Mm. No need for it. It's just me. Well,
2: me and my kid, but she hasn't even connected yet. <laughs> well, it sounds like you know. It does sound like somebody's stealing your bandwidth. But, but I, I just would say that's not unusual for stuff to run in the background and use bandwidth. That seems like an awful lot. That's why you got to you got to get a log. You got to see which IP address is using it. And you'll know if somebody's stealing it. You'll you'll nab them. Oh, definitely. That's why You'll I was
7: the phone call because I haven't hooked up my two iMacs yet, or my Apple TV, yeah, my daughter's Apple TV, and the two Google Homes. Well,
3: so you're, they, you're gonna go through a you're gonna
7: go through a terabyte fast. Exactly. That's why, and I'm noticing. And like I said I found this by accident last night, so I was like, "Okay, uh, something's not right here," especially for Wednesday. Yeah. I was like, "How do I use eight yeah. gigabytes?"
2: Yeah, and not and,
7: even being home. Yeah. I mean, yes, on the seventh, I used it. And I yeah, it sounds like it AT&T
2: night. is screwing up, and I think you should you should definitely pursue this with them. But it'll help a lot. Well, one thing is disconnect everything and then see what they do. But the other thing that'll help a lot is to have a log and to be able to show them the log and say, "Look." Anyway, I, that, that's that's all I can say. I'm John. I'm glad you listen. I'm gonna run, but uh, thank you. All right, thanks. thanks all right, for taking the phone. all right. Let me know what ha- you know. What let me know what happens. I'd love to find out. That's a mystery. You got it. All right, John. All right. Take care. Right. Take care. Bye bye. Fine. Well, hey, hey, hey. How are you today, Leo Laporte? Here, the tech guy. Time to talk com- tech, computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smart watches. You know all that jazz. Everything with a chip in it or 64 chips in it. Eighty-eight eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number: eight 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 two seven five five three six. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Outside that area, still call. Just use Skype out. It's free. Eighty-eight eighty-eight. Ask Leo. Website: techi com. Talk a little more to John from Valencia, who's got the you know the case of the missing gigabytes. He wasn't even home, and AT and T says he used eight gigabytes a day. That's a lot of data. Eight gigabytes of data. Uh, while he was away from home. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe AT&T is testing him. (laughs) Maybe they're saying, you know, you don't have unlimited bandwidth. This is why they don't have See, if he had unlimited bandwidth, you wouldn't care. Eh, big deal. But they limit him. They only give him a 1,000 gigabytes a month, a terabyte a month. And if he uses up all 1,000 gigabytes, well, they're going to charge him more thousands not a lot especially if you have a teenage daughter watches streaming tv you watch streaming tv you can go through a gigabyte an hour pretty easily but he's not home she said i just moved other this is connected so that's why a router can be your best friend Uh, now different routers have different capabilities that's the device you know that you plug into your cable modem or your DSL modem and then it plugs into the wall and the router is the thing that's, that tells you know each computer so you can use more than one computer with it, it says you know you're going to be your today your your identity is this one yours is this they call it net network address translation so that you can have multiple computers on a single internet address that's the router it's routing the traffic you go here that packet that's for you that's for you just like that but everything goes through the router, right? So a, a good router will keep an eye on all the bits going to all the devices and can even uh, give you a log that you can, you know, you go into your router's interface. You, you, depends, you know, each router is a different place, looking at activity or logging. Or, uh, and you can see, uh, sometimes you have to just look at each device and see how much data each device is used. I, almost every router I've used has some form of this, and that's going to be helpful. You'll at least know if anything used 8 gigabytes and if and which thing did. There, nowadays, computers can be very piggy. A Windows 10 will download an entire update in the background without telling you. That could easily be 8 gigabytes. I don't know if Macs do the same thing, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. There's all sorts of little stuff going on in the background. You just get an email, things like that streaming devices somebody said in the chat room maybe he has a fire tv and he turned the tv off but the tv kept watching netflix all through the night it just didn't display well, that could happen right so it's worth it's worth checking out just uh you know he's got a he said he has a nighthawk those are good he'll be able to he'll be able to look in the settings of the router and see what's using all that data let's go to apple valley lawn is on the line hello lawn leo laporte the tech guy how are, How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. I fine. hope you're going to be able to solve my problem. Well, I hope so, too. I haven't been doing so well uh, yet, but
3: let's see.
8: <laughs> okay. Hey, um, so I had a couple hard drives fail, and I had them in the shop, and then one of them I sent back to the manufacturer, and he had to take it apart, and he sent me back a 4-terabyte um, external hard drive. So during that Nine months or so, I put in a new, another hard drive and copied some files. Anyway, bottom line is, I have two hard drives and two external drives. Oh and boy. they all have a mishmash <laughs> of basically the same stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not condensed into one hard drive. And I'm wondering if there's any software available where it can interrogate everybody and deposit all of the information on just the one hard drive.
2: You want a, 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 a what they call a merge operation?
3: Okay.
2: Is it Windows or Mac? Windows. So yeah, what you'd like is, and this would be an easy thing to do. I, I'm just going to check and see if anybody's written something like that. I'm sure that there are there is software out there that would do that. Um, Again, it's not duplicating files and taking them out of space. Yeah, what it should do is it should it should look at. All the drives, it should say, ah, here's a file. Now, it's tricky because how are you going to determine if file's the same? You're going to look at the name and the creation date and the modification date. If all three are the same, it's probably the same file, but maybe not. So what a good merge program will do, the same thing a good deduplication program will do. It'll actually look at the contents of the file. That means it's going to be a little bit slow. Um I see, you know, some open source software like WinMerge that is a Windows tool for visual difference display. Yeah, you don't care about visual. You just want to you just wanna move these together. It's
8: mostly going to be just documents and photos.
2: Yeah. So you could see, you know, a document, uh, the name and creation date might be the same, but if you change one word, the files aren't the same. So you want a program that's going to – and it can be done pretty quickly, just – what they do is they create a hash of the contents. And then if the hash is the same, well, that's definitely the same. Good deduping programs do that. And I, would, I wonder if maybe a good dedupe for Windows will also allow you to do a file merge. At Microsoft for a long time had SyncToy, which was designed to do that. I right, Here's the one I would, I guess, it's the one I've used before. Um, let me just see if they're still around. It was a company called Centered System and they made something called second copy and it was originally designed for backups but it it has this feature yeah it's still around looks like centered systems has moved to secondcopy.com and the idea is uh, you don't want to back up something that's uh, you, you you don't want to back up duplicates of the same thing so second copy would check the contents of the file and merge them together for backups. And anyway, that's what you're doing. What you're doing is you're taking four drives and backing it up to a fifth drive. And you could use second copy to do a merge. So that would be one choice. They have a free version. You could try for a while, and it's not very expensive. I've used this for years to do file syncing. Anybody listening, though, who has a great idea for doing this, uh, SyncToy, yeah, Microsoft stopped updating it, so I don't recommend it anymore. Guy 88 in the chat room says, I use free file sync. I haven't tried that. Free file sync. And then, of course, Microsoft has a really good program no one knows about because it's a command line utility called Robocopy. It's not a robotic copy. It's a robust copy. They had to make it because the Windows copy function was so terrible. Robocopy is on your system. You might want to look at the documentation for it because I think it also will handle merges, and that's a very good way to do Yeah, uh, ability to skip files already in the destination folder, and they do it by identical size and timestamp, but that would probably be good enough. So Robocopy would be a good way to do that. You Robocopy files. You use the switch to say, don't give me a duplicate if it's already there, and you do it successively one disk after the other. Yeah, that's the yeah, it's actually on your computer already. Every copy of Windows has robocopy. But it's a command line utility. It's actually what I recommend if you're copying lots of data because Windows own copy routine isn't very well written. So Microsoft some years ago said, "We better give people a good one and we'll hide it." It's slow, but it's accurate. And it and it you know, it'll handle it makes sure that the, the file got copied properly. does verification. It, it does a lot of uh, useful things. So I would take a look at Robocopy. Uh, Marsworm is saying it's the slash M-I-R option for mirror. But you might want to read up on the, on the you know, just Google Robocopy manual and read up on all the commands. Somebody else is also recommending TerraCopy. I guess any copy utility that will say uh, merge directories but don't duplicate files is going to do this. So we've just given you about eight that would do that. Robocopy, you already have. There's an advantage to that. Um, that's 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 a good thing to learn, actually. If you have Windows, you should get to know Robocopy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More calls right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. And Mississippi Queen. Chris Marquardt, our photo guy, coming up in just a little bit. Talk about getting better pictures on line one. John in Leesburg, Virginia. Hello, John. Oh, hello there. I'm I'm glad to be able to talk to you. Thank you for hanging uh, on. I'm I sure. listen to Security Now a lot. Oh, nice. Our great security <laughs> podcast with Steve Gibson.
9: Yeah, that's, uh, I've been listening for a few months, and, and that's really great. You're on that one. <laughs> Thank you.
2: I do host I... With, with Steve, but he does all the work, so... Uh, Right, he gets full credit on that one. Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot from that
9: one, Good. and will uh, see what, what we get on this one. All right. Uh, so, so here's the thing about uh, LastPass. Uh, I use a screen reader,
2: and uh, LastPass and screen readers don't get along very well. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm going to call them and tell them. I'm going to read them the Riot Act because accessibility is well, really important.
9: Yeah, because you know I use a. Uh, use a keyboard only, and so it's really hard to do. And so, what I was trying to get is to you can't talk to a human being in support, and the people that answer the email don't seem to uh, have a clue.
3: Huh.
9: So I was wondering if you could get me to an actual human.
2: I can. <laughs> I can. And I think that um, knowing the LastPass guys, uh, and, of course, they're a sponsor of the show, so I have a little bit of a contact with them. Right. Uh, well, they're going to want to make it more accessible. What? A... So it doesn't work at all with a screen reader or what, what's going well, on? Well, here's the thing. It, it's, it,
9: there's a number of di- difficulties. Uh, this, uh, in the screen reader world, you want to only use the keyboard. Right And not use the mouse,
2: Of course not, yeah, because you can't see and, the pointer, so what's the point
9: and now sometimes you can get get some uh visibility there, but, but you know the screen readers try to give you what the mouse is over, but it doesn't always work, right. and last pass you can't do last pass like that Hmm. it just it, it, there's two, there's a lot of places where 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 the keyboard just gives you different Different things. Uh, I was trying to add an item the other day from the uh, LastPass dot com site. I just logged into it, and I couldn't do it. I had to actually log in with the extension and fiddle doodle around, and finally I got it. But it was a real—it's it's generally a pain in the neck. <laughs> a, so you
2: know. you're using—you don't use. So there's three ways to do LastPass. There's a standalone app, there's the web page, and then there's a browser plug-in. And you find the same yes. difficulty with all three.
9: Uh, well the, I only know of two a browser plugin and the and the uh, and the uh, ex, ex, you know the regular
2: Take a look app. at a window in the Windows store there's a LastPass app on the Apple store there's a LastPass app they have apps for Windows and Mac Now I do have that I do have the Mac one but that's a browser that's no, no, thing. it's a standalone application. So, yeah,
9: but you can't do anything with it. You log in once, and 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 that I think that also has the same problem. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So just it's, I'm it's just easy.
2: checking. Let me just send me an email with your information, and I'll make sure LastPass gets it. Leo at leoville dot com. V i l l e. Yeah. And so okay. every every company not only has kind of an ethical obligation, but in many cases have a legal obligation to make their software accessible. You know, results vary. (laughs) Frankly, it's a lot of work, and it really helps to have somebody uh, who's blind, deaf, you know, have a variety of different accessibility uh, people working with you so that they can explain what the issues are. And it's very hard for those of us who are sighted to understand what it would be like to use this blind. And, uh, and and I know that LastPass cares and would love to do this right. So if you give me, send me your information, I will get somebody from LastPass in touch with you. Uh, I don't know if they have a full-time accessibility expert. Many big companies do. Apple does. Apple has a team. Microsoft does. I remember meeting the woman Microsoft, this was many years ago, uh, had hired to go across all different departments and go into departments and say, hey, look, I'm here. I'm the champion for they call this accessibility. And I want to look at what you're doing and I want to help you do it right. It just makes sense for them to do it right. So, you know, and there's varying degrees of doing it right. So, um send me that information. I will make sure they get it. And uh I will uh, I will I will go to bat for you because that is something they absolutely have to do. Fortunately, I have a little bit of an in. With LastPass, and they and by the way, I know them very well. They're great people, and they will de- do their best to uh, get to get it right. Grant, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hello, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Welcome, Grant. Hello, Leo. So, so what's up, Grant?
8: Uh, <laughs> I have difficulty sitting for a long periods of time, I so that makes you. it hard. To yeah, sit at my
2: computer. Yep.
8: So I want a way of, like, mounting my monitor so that I can land my back. Oh, interesting. And look up at it. Oh, yeah. Whenever I see well, products for mounting, like a monitor or a TV or whatever, it seems to be designed for, like, mounting on a
2: wall. Well, it doesn't have to be. So uh, they call these Visa... Mounts, or the Visa standards, the Ved- Video Electronics Standards Association, and all monitors—not all, most monitors have Visa-compatible connections on the back. You might have to take something off, but that's because many, as you point out, many monitors are on arms on desks. Sometimes people have multiple monitors, but there's no reason you couldn't mount that on the ceiling. You need a longer arm um there are, there are companies that make visa arms of all kinds and i would be shocked if they didn't have some can you do you want it, do you need to mount it to the ceiling or can you mount it to a wall how do you want to do this unfortunately i have a ceiling fan so that makes it hurt yeah, hard yeah don't to put have. it on the ceiling that would be bad the wire cutter has a good list of, of monitor arms, good reviews of a variety of monitor arms. The one they like is called Fully Jarvis. <laughs> uh, but you're going to want one that can be lengthy. The, the company Ergotron makes these, has made them for years and probably has a huge variety. I would look at Ergotron's arms and see if they have one that's longer. You'll You may also want to just get a monitor stand and mount it on a monitor stand. That way you can roll it around. And tilt it at any angle you want. But the key is to look for a Visa-compatible monitor and then an arm, a Visa arm, all the arms are, because that's typically how they'd mount. This is how Apple, by the way, charges $1,000 for the stand for its monitor. It's got a Visa mount. They say, well, we don't know if you want the stand. You might want something else. Hello, Chris McQuarrie. Hello, Leo. How are you? I'm well. How are you?
5: I'm doing good. How was CS?
2: Exhausting, but fun. I had a good time. We good. Uh, we saw the new uh, Panasonic. Uh, oh, it's not a GH. The new one that's that's a full frame um, with video. Hype. Well,
5: there's. The, oh yeah, that one. Yeah. The, uh, Can't remember I was the I it. was looking at like the. 1DX Mark III, the Canon. Yeah, we saw the new it. 1DX, too. We Nikon, to Nikon D780, yeah. which we saw a lot I of find interesting stuff. because it has a mirror. So oh, they're still doing it. I'm still a it. fan of the mirror. Hmm. Um, did you see the Insta360 ONE R? uh no and and uh, but in the modular 360 yeah. slash action An- camera anthony really wanted me to go over and see that because uh, oh this is i think this is one of the most he this, loves this his is Insta. one of the camera companies of the future yeah these guys are beating it uh, hitting it out of the park interesting is, yeah he yeah. uses it we use it we've used it for some of our
2: footage our year-end hands-on <clears throat> tech review some of it was shot on the Insta360. He wants the new one. I'll have to get it for him. Oh, the One X, yeah, and the One yeah. R
5: is, is modular, and they, they will come out with a one-inch uh, camera My problem modular. with those,
2: I have the GoPro Fusion, and I have the Ricoh Theta Z1. My problem with them is they're fine. What am I going to do with them?
5: Well, <laughs> I, you can easily edit that footage into, like the the, the spherical footage, you can edit this into that's what he did with footage. The, that's what he did with the Insta. With,
2: yeah, that was cool.
5: With... With re with 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 moving the panning the camera any way you like, mm-hmm. I find that one interesting. The stabilization in those is an interesting. Ah, <sighs> so yeah, and I agree. Right now, if you have spherical footage, 360 footage, that there is not much of an outlet for that. But just think five years ahead, and when we have, when we all have those devices on our heads, you know, I guess. It'll come. And then you have the footage already. Then you are ready for it. That's my thinking right now. That's my justification for getting one.
2: <laughs> I have them and I never use them because it's like, well, I can't. What am I going to do with
5: it? <laughs> not
2: yet. The future I posted, is upon us. I, I have in the past posted, you know, I have posted a bunch of 360 videos from the Galapagos on YouTube, but nobody watches them.
5: No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs>
2: Someday, soon. A matter, a matter of time. <laughs> you know I'm a fan of the Epson EcoTank printers. We have... Two at home. I don't know how many we have here at work. You can kiss expensive ink cartridges goodbye with Epson's EcoTank. It comes in the box with a ton of ink, a ridiculous amount of ink, up to two years worth of ink. And then you know, in two years, so you buy it today, you print thousands of pages, beautiful color. In a couple of years, in twenty (laughs) twenty two. When you go to buy more ink cartridges, you will buy more not cartridges, uh, bottles of ink, and they're, by the way, they're color coded, they're keyed. You can't use it, do it wrong. So you get more ink, and you get a ton of it. You put it in. In twenty twenty two, you could say to the office supply store, "See, you in twenty twenty four, we bought uh, two EcoTank printers. I've been using them for more than a year. Haven't had any, haven't had to buy any new ink. I got a second set just so that when it runs out, I can put the ink in. But that's not going to happen for a long time." Supersized, easy easy-to-fill tanks you'll never hassle with buying or changing in cartridges again. This is a revolution. It's really changing how you print. Less frustration, more time to work on the things that matter to you. Great for businesses, great for home offices, great for home, frankly. Print in, in your business, all your business documents, your reports. It's time for taxes. You can print the whole tax reform, form and everything. Do it in color, not worry about it because you know you've got tons of ink. When you're thinking about the perfect printing solution, add the Epson EcoTank printer to your shopping list. And like Shaq, you too can fill and chill. Transform the way your home or office prints. Do away with out-of-ink frustration. And by the way, get the best printer money you can buy. I mean, honestly, I've always used Epson since the very earliest days of personal computing. Go to epson.com slash ecotankleo. E-P-S-O-N, epson.com slash ecotankleo. Epson EcoTank printers. Just fill and chill. Epson, exceed your vision. Thank you, Epson, for supporting the Tech Guy podcast. And thank you for supporting the podcast by going to Epson.com slash EcoTankLeo. That was easy. Chris Marquardt's here. We got a a review. It's time to look at our industrial photos. A lot of industrial photos this time. Hey, I want to mention that Chris does great photo workshops at discoverthetopfloor.com and I thought it would be a good time to
5: to take a look at what's coming up, Chris. You got some, some projects coming up? Oh, it's probably the, the most busy first half of a year that I've had in a, in a couple of years. Nice. We have uh, nice. four big things planned. Uh, February will take us to on the big ice tour to Lake Baikal. We'll be driving over the lake on, on jeeps or in jeeps. And, and it's the most amazing abstract photography there. In March, we'll go to visit the tribes in Ethiopia, which is in the Omo Valley very, wow. uh, very um, old cultures and old tribes that still live there. In April, we'll be in the land of the Thunder Dragon, which is kind of the official subtitle of the Kingdom of Bhutan oh in the Himalayas. So we'll be crossing that. And in June, we'll go to back to the Kyrgyz Republic, where I was last year.
2: I want to do all which, of them. Uh, it's
5: this amazingly beautiful country in Central, central Asia. So it, I think I'm... Yeah, we have to, we probably have to pre-record a few episodes because... No kidding, you're going to be, be gone, gone a all, lot. all, all yeah. spring.
2: So if you are interested in any of these, discover thetopfloor.com is Chris's website where he leads these
5: incredible.
2: I mean, it's for people who love to travel and love photography.
5: Incredible and expeditions. And it's, it's, it's both. It's not just photo pros. Yeah. It's yeah. like a good mixture of everyone. So, uh, yeah.
2: Well, we have a lot of... Uh, very good photographers who listen, because I was looking at the uh, <laughs> submissions. People really
5: liked our uh, our assignment this month, which was industrial. Yes, and I was happy with the photos that came in, and it was a tough choice. I've made a choice of three photos, as usual. Um, if you're watching along, they kind of have something in common. Uh, the first one is by Alan Guido, Old Industrial, and it's just a simple black and white shot of... A sign that's that's on some machine, Scott Paper Co. Chester PA um, with a patent number. So it might be a printing press or a paper cutting machine or something. Um, and I think the black and white really suits it well. It just is one of these old-timey things that you don't really see on newer machinery anymore, at least not in this kind of a beauty. Um, Why so, did you pick but, this? What is it about it that you like? It's just, it's just, it evokes a feeling. It evokes an emotion. And I've just recently visited a museum with a lot of old printing equipment and there was a lot of that in there. So for me personally, it really kind of, it it, it latched onto that feeling that I brought home from that museum. So it was kind of a, a, a nostalgia thing going on here. Uh, second one I chose is by Demilente, Blue Mountain Mining. And uh, it's it's one of these shots where it's a telephoto shot, okay, of a mining operation. You see sep- several different towers and then these conveyor belts between them and electrical wiring behind them and dirt roads and heaps of dirt and stuff. And, uh, and the whole thing being shot with a telephoto lens, it compresses the depth. You can see the mountains are really close in the background, even though they're Probably aren't looking at the EXIF data. It's a a 200 millimeter, uh, 200 millimeter focal length. So yeah, that brings it all together. I love how the mountains uh, g- kind of disappear into the haze in the background. There's there's all this different uh, stuff going on, and the whole picture, like the last one, is kind of almost monochrome. I mean, the the last one was a black and white photo. This one is a blue, <laughs> blue. It's it's mainly mountains blue, blue. Right? so so, so blue is the predominant color here i've
2: heard people say a telephoto lens flattens
5: images what well, does that it, mean it, it makes things that are close and things that are further away seem to be at a similar distance oh, so, so it's all on the
2: same plane almost yeah
5: almost on the same plane as opposed to a wide angle lens where the Close things appear really big, and things that are not that further away appear very small also. And so uh, the, the the wide angle uh, you could say stretches out the depth makes step de- exaggerates depth while the uh, the telephoto lens kind of yeah puts everything almost on the same plane and you can see this here and uh, it's a it's a perfect effect for that because it turns those mountains into yeah. a really nice backdrop yeah. so Good job on that, and the third one is by Gravel Gertie, and it's <laughs> I
2: think it's of Gravel Gertie,
5: <laughs> or 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 off her truck. I don't know. the The title is W nine hundred L Kenworth, which I guess is probably the the, the, the type of the truck. It's a yeah,
2: Kenworth, all so,
5: right. Um, Beautiful so shot. It's
2: almost alive.
5: And again, it has this, well, okay, so what, what are we looking at first? We're looking at a truck, a very industrial looking American truck. Our European trucks look very different. So this is for me, uh, that, I think American trucks have something really industrial to them. So um, that's kind of the feeling I get. It, you look straight at it. it it's it's nice how, how Gertie... Compose that being very central, very symmetrical, straight on, because that kind of gives it some power. And then there are these yellow orange lights coming at you. So, and they n- don't just shine into the camera, they also light the trucks left and right. So, again, a bit of a monochromatic feeling, a bit of an. This has predominantly orange in it. The, the last one was blue, the first one was black and white. So, it, really, those pictures. Um, have all have a reduced color palette they all have like one very important primary color and then maybe some auxiliary stuff but the one color dominates and putting this uh, in into a picture and reducing the color palette always makes pictures stronger so all three of you great job
2: really nice really fun Uh, yeah these are these assignments are just that assignments they're not competitions we got many many great pictures and thank you all for uh, submitting. We have a tech guy group on Flickr, F-L-I-C-K-R.com. Flickr's free. Join Flickr. Uh, s- join the group. That's also free. Renee Silverman, our moderator, will welcome you. And just browse through some of these because they are really nicely done. And every month there's a new assignment. Chris uh, always gives us an assignment.
5: We're going alphabetically. So the next one I would be Jay. Yes, Jay. And uh, as usual, we have or I have asked the community on the Flickr Tech Guy group to um, submit some suggestions here. And Street Fodog Fodog 66 has uh, provided this suggestion, Journey. That's the next assignment. yeah. And uh, for all in the group now, it's also time to start thinking about the assignment for the next of the K assignment, and submit those. Um, But first of all, Journey, we'll keep this up for about a month and... Yeah, looking forward to your photos.
2: You have four weeks. You can submit a photo a week. So get out there and get snapping. It's not, it, you know, it's just for the pride of getting recognized and for having some fun. And really, it's just an excuse to take more pictures, illustrate the word or concept journey, and then upload it to our uh, tech guy group. And don't forget, Chris has those great photo workshops. Man, I'd love to go to Bhutan. I'd love to go to Kyrgyzstan. I've always wanted to see like I want to do them all. Go to discoverthetopfloor.com. Pick as many as you can afford. <laughs> Go to all of them if you can. I certainly would. Will you be here next week, Chris, or are you leaving already? I will. I will. No, right. no, I'm here. I'm here for, okay. for another few weeks. I love the inspiration. I love the uh, the joy you bring to photography, and it always gets me going and saying, I want to take more pictures. It doesn't have to be with a fancy camera. Your camera phone's fine, but the assignment is journey. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Leo. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More calls right after this. Uh, good I'm glad we were able to get that plug-in that's great thank you so much yeah 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 um all right see you next week and then we can think about uh, gosh you know I mean if you're gone you're gone it happened last year uh, let but me let nice me give you a, whatever we can
5: let me give an idea I will know I'll be here for one two three four more weeks good four more oh, weekends some more weekends to Pre record if we want. And then we'll need to pre record for two, and then I'm back for two weekends, and then we need to pre record for another two, and then I'm oh, back one that. weekend, and then I'm gone for another three. So we'll we'll manage. We'll, we'll manage.
3: we'll
2: manage.
5: We'll manage. Leo Laporte,
2: the tech guy. 8888, ask Leo the phone number. Call me, baby. Rick on the line from Torrance, California. Hello, Rick. Hey, Leo, how are you? I'm great. Welcome. <laughs> Hey, um, I've been carrying uh, around two phones for way
10: too long. I've been procrastinating on getting a dual SIM phone because the dual SIM standby versus the dual SIM active. And I'm thinking I should get an active, but rather than wait and wait and wait, maybe I should just go with the standby. Is Do you know much about what I would be losing?
2: Um, I'm not sure what that term means except, does it one mean that you can switch SIMs and one means they're both active at the same time? I would guess that's what that means. Yeah, pretty much that's it. Yeah. So, most new phones actually do uh, dual active, which is great because uh, what you can do in the settings, and this is, uh I think even iPhone now does this, you can do in the settings is say, well, use this SIM, this phone number, really, a SIM is that little card that goes in the slot on your phone that gives it its identity. It says, well, this is, you know, uh, you're a Verizon, Rick's a Verizon customer, his phone number is such and such, et cetera, et cetera. And you can have two SIMs. Many countries, uh, India is the classic example, they have so many carriers that you go two miles and y- your old carrier won't work, your new one will. So dual SIMs phones first became very common in areas like that. But... It's kind of an interesting idea for people like you, too, who carry multiple phones, or maybe you get a good deal on data from one company and a better deal on phone calls from another company and so forth. So you're seeing a lot of phones now support dual SIMs, especially because eSIMs are coming along. Those don't need a physical card. It's done electronically, and that's how Apple does it. They only have one SIM slot, but they also have an eSIM so that you can effectively have two. So... I'm I'm looking at the definitions. Dual standby means both SIM cards can connect to their own mobile networks, but both are connected independently. So it's like two different phones. So uh, dual active means there's two sets of receivers. Each SIM card has its own receivers. Uh, Where it matters is if you're on a phone call with one SIM card, If you want to get data at the same time from another carrier, you'll need the dual active. Does that make sense? That might be kind of an unusual situation. The dual SIM card phones I have, and there are quite a few of them now, will let you say, I want to use this SIM card for data, I want to use this SIM card for phone calls, that kind of thing. So if you want to use, do you want to use data at the same time as you're making a call? Uh, not necessarily at the same
10: time, and maybe I misunderstood, but they were basically saying you could get texting back and forth on one SIM and you would have to change everything around to get it to go through the
3: other one.
2: Ah, and you would like both SIMs to be getting texts at the same time. Correct. Correct. That's an interesting issue. So there aren't a lot of Android phones that do this active thing, and it makes sense because cheaper phones don't want to put two radios in. <laughs> it kind of doubles the the cost of uh, the bill of, bill of uh, parts. Um, let me see. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. I'm looking at an article. Uh, let me see how recent this article is. I wish it had a date on it. It doesn't. But uh, they say there are uh, uh, very few Android dual SIM active cards. So, phones. So, Dual active Android phones, the Asus Zenfone, which actually is a great phone, doesn't get as much attention as it should, the Zenfone 2. The Huawei phones, in fact, that's the one I had, a P20, was dual SIM, and it had dual slots, and it was dual SIM activated as well. Looks like the Samsung Galaxy Ace Duos is the only Samsung that does it. (laughs) Lenovo Vibe, Sony Xperia. This is a couple-of-year-old article, so maybe there are more doing it. Are you looking for Android or are you looking for uh, iPhone? Android. Yeah. Well, there's some ones to look at. I would look at the Asus Zen phone. That is a great phone. I wish it got more attention. It really deserves it. It's, a, in every respect, a really nice phone that, do, that doesn't cost a whole lot of money. It does do this dual-SIM active that you're looking for. Um and I think you can get it unlocked, which you probably don't. You, if you want dual sims, you definitely don't want it locked, right? Right.
3: Right. So um, th-
2: uh, the, they also have great battery life on these Zen phones. So I would t- I would take a look at the the, the latest one is the Zen Phone Max Pro M2. Why do they come up with these crazy names? <laughs> I always, how is anybody supposed to remember that? Five hundred milliamp hour battery. It's the bat the biggest battery out there. So um, that's that's pretty good, yeah. So that's yeah. I'm gonna put links to these articles so you can you can get the specific differences. Um, okay. Because this is this is kind of it's not what I thought it was. It sounds like it might not be exactly what you thought it was either. I think that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Can I get text messages to do different numbers coming into the same? I presume the same messenger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's an interesting uh, question, and I don't know if anybody addresses that. Usually what happens is you say, well, I want text messaging on this number, not both numbers. So I don't know how, right. how that will work. Let me, uh, let me uh, open the lines to anybody who has an idea. I know we have a lot of dual SIM listeners, and they maybe may uh, can give us a better idea than I know. Hey, I appreciate right. the call. All right. Thanks, Rick. That's an interesting question. So what he's looking for is the ability to have two numbers, two carriers, or the same carrier, I don't know, but two numbers on a phone, so that's dual SIM, but he wants to be able to receive text messages from both numbers. I think he'd probably be okay, and one way to work this would be to use something like WhatsApp or any any messaging program that's tied to a phone number. And give out that messaging app, your correspondents would have to use it. But if you tied WhatsApp to one phone number and then had text messages, SMS coming in on the other phone number, you'd effectively have both working. But you'd have to convince everybody to use WhatsApp. And that's a little tricky. There may be another way to do it. Dr. Flay in the chat room says, what if you had SMS redirection? In other words, if you had a way of... Say, when, when they came to one number, all right, now forward that to the other number, and then they'd both come in. That might be easier. A service like Twilio, Twilio.com, T-W-I-L-I-O, probably would be able to do that. In fact, maybe that's the best solution to use a virtual number for the, one of the numbers and a real number in the SIM, you know, a real SIM and a real number on the phone. Then you don't need dual SIM. And you could use Twilio to forward text messages from that second number, you could even have that if you used google voice had that second number ring the phone yeah it's an, it's an interesting question if that's what you want to do i think i would look at forwarding as opposed to dual sim iphone 10s 10s max 10r and the 11 feature dual sim because one is a nano sim and one is an e sim so that that's how they do it on the iphone but boy i don't i don't know how you would get I messages from two different phone numbers in one iPhone. That would be a little tricky. Verizon has something called Vice V I C E. Phoenix Warp One in our chat room says the Verizon secondary device push notifies. So you could have two devices with Vice, two phone numbers with Vice. That's an interesting idea. And then have this have the text from one forwarded to the other. Well, there are definitely ways to solve this. It's just kind of thinking in the, in the right box. Oh, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Labord? here, the tech guy. Yeah, it's time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, CES, smartphones, smartwatches. 8888-ASK-LEO is my phone number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, you can help some of our previous callers out. We've got some calls for help out there. 8888 Ask Leo. The website is techguylabs.com. You can go there too. It's free. There's no sign up and even leave comments. So if you've got some thoughts, we got a lot of links, a lot of links, a lot of ideas for some of our previous callers, including our last caller who was trying to get the ability to get two different phone numbers, get messages into his phone from two different phone numbers using a dual SIM. We have some really interesting Visa mounts. Uh, displays to go has a rolling tv stand icw usa has an overhead arm a a wall mount that you can watch your use your computer lying on your back some really cool stuff out there so we'll put all of this stuff ends up in the show notes at techguylabs.com techguylabs.com back to the calls scott laguna hills california hi scott leo laporte the tech guy
3: Hi, Leo.
6: Good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for calling. So here's my situation. I have a, a solar set of panels on the house. They're connected to the to the grid, so I'm not off grid. Mm-hmm. And every so often there'll be a spike and it'll throw a fuse and yep. the system will be off. Yep. Okay. Um, so it's an IP based system. sits on my network at the home, and it doesn't tell me for three, four, or five hours that the system's even off.
3: Darn
2: it! So I'm all that sunlight wasted. All that time, all that sun—the sun just beating down on the ground, doing nothing. It's money spilling off. the roof. <laughs> Darn it! I hate it when that happens. Ours does that uh, too from time to time, and I have to manually go in. I'm I'm kind of jealous because you have an IP-based system. I have to go in the uh, go over to the con- the inverters and press a button and say reboot, reboot.
6: Well, that's kind of what we have to do. We have to throw we have to throw the fuse on the sub sub panel, right? So the fact that there's an IP based system out there I could ping it. But yes. there's I'm looking for a way to give us a text message for my wife and I to receive a text that it's no longer pinging.
2: So what would be the source of the text? Is there it, 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 it does the IP control system have some information that it could you could use? It's it's even
6: simpler than that. The IP control system just falls off. It back, It's tied to the electrical system, so it shuts
2: off. So oh. So the address so is no longer pingable. It'd be uh-huh. – aha. So you're almost like you're, you would be monitoring it, and if if it stopped responding, then you want a text. Exactly. And this is something – there's something very analogous. Lots of people have systems that do this. If your web server goes down, if you can't right. get to my – if you can't ping my website, I need a message to come on my pager or my uh, or my Slack – I need a text message. I need to be notified. So exactly. I have a feeling that that kind of thing is well, going to be. There's
6: a lot of expensive data center type tools. Yeah, there's there
2: like pager duty, duty and and stuff like that that does this. But yeah, you don't yeah. you don't want to pay for an enterprise grade solution.
6: So I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm thinking I've got to install like a Raspberry Pi sitting on the Wi-Fi, and and somehow do a persistent ping, and then when it disappears, go to IFTTT and shoot an SMS right. to pull it push or something, but it's getting super complex, and I'm thinking maybe your listeners know of some simpler way to do this. Is, uh,
2: is the IP control publicly visible? Can you see it from the outside world? No, it's sitting behind my NAT router. Okay, so that's one problem right there. If it were public, uh then it wouldn't be too hard using Zapier or If This Then That to to say, can I see the site? There are a lot of different services that will ping uh, an at, at address to see if it's up, and then ping you. But it's not right. public, so you need something internally to do that. And you might be right. You might be that the Raspberry Pi is the best way to do this. Let me think. And, and
6: I don't mind. I don't mind putting one on the network. Um, but you know, then I've got to write the right mm-hmm. say. You know, mm-hmm. ping, and then mm-hmm. you know, I get the SMS message. and Now I'm talking Twilio.
3: Yeah.
2: Exactly. You're writing your own little Twilio script. And that's another great one to know about. You obviously know what you're talking about, so I I don't have anything to add to that. Um Yeah, Raspberry Pi or geez, do you have a computer that's always on?
6: Well, I don't, and I kind of was avoiding that, but if I do, what would I run?
2: Well, that's I mean, that's what you're going to end up doing on the Raspberry Pi too. You would run a process in the background that would periodically uh ping is it a ping? What would it be? Is it a website, the, the IP control? Is it web-based? It it actually has an IP address,
6: and it ties into the uh, the provider's cloud. Okay. So it's not really a website, but it has uh, – I you, can get to the cloud and see their website. So that's when I see when it's off and on.
2: Yeah. So I'm just trying to think what, what would be an indicator that it was down. If it's as simple as a ping, then there are plenty of ways to do that on a desktop uh, or a Raspberry Pi where you – you know, check a site periodically in a in a cron job, and then if the if you get a negative, then fire off a text message. That's not exactly. hard to do in a computer. Um, it's re- really the, the, the thing that's unknown is exactly what what would you need to do to see if the 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 short had happened. What would happen? so the ping fails? Yeah, the ping has no longer a reply. Does it? So it responds if you do a, an actual ICMP ping, it would respond unless it's down.
6: If I'm sitting on my local WAN,
2: yeah. Yes. WAN, yeah. All right. Well, then I think yeah, it'd be a simple thing to write a little program. Uh, okay. how Are you a coder? Have you done any coding at all?
6: Not a little bit. I mean, I'll fumble through it if I had to. That's why I was looking for an easier
2: route. A pack- some prepackaged solution. I think even on yeah. the. I mean, I don't. Off the look. The answer is I don't know off the top of my head, but I can easily think about what I would look for if I were you. I mean, I first would Google how can I how can I monitor you know a website. Uh, if it's a ping, I think that's a simple thing to do—a a, a quick little Python script that would send out a ping, see what the response was. If it, if the thing is down, then you might still be using Twilio because you need some sort of SMS gateway. You obviously don't have that y- yourself, but Twilio is a very affordable service that would do that. Um, do you like Twilio or Bullet Push, or do you have a? Preference? I've used Twilio for a long time. Here's a here's a question. Here's an answer. ScooterX in our chat room has found something on Stack Exchange, of course. That's where every programmer basically goes to Crib Ideas. Uh, in their Raspberry Pi site, ping a website and have an output turn on if it's online or offline. Now, what they're doing here is having a light turn on or off, uh, which yeah. you might actually want. You might want a hue lamp in your living room that goes blink, blink, huh. blink. But you'd also like a text message. And uh, I would guess that the logic that does that wouldn't be too far off. We'll put that in the show notes at techguylabs.com. com. Okay. awesome. Yeah. All right, Leo. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I, it Does and actually, you know, I should have checked. Uh, I use Zapier, which is a paid if this than that. And I, I bet you if this than that or Zapier might have some ping logic. I'm I'm just thinking. That seems like the kind of thing. Because there's plenty of people want to know, is my pass is my uh, site up? <laughs> Let me just uh, quickly look at uh, Zapier and see. I'm going to type in ping. Yeah, there's a couple of things. There's fresh ping. <laughs> and there's pingdom, <laughs> both well-named. Here's get a new fresh ping alert with Twilio phone calls. So this is exactly what we were just talking about. Uh, it's on dot com. I think they have a free tier if you just want to use one of these. You'd have to sign up for a service, fresh ping service. You'd choose an event, and it would then call your phone or text your phone. Uh, so this seems like a lot of uh, – there's a lot of ways to do this. If you have an end phase, uh, which I bet you do for your solar panels, then uh, we're going to put a link Mike B has found that uh, does solar panel status pings. Oh, nice! You know, I I actually <laughs> I do this in a very manual way. If I will get a red or a yellow uh, light on my on my uh, end phase, if the uh, if the if it's shorted out or it's gone down for some reason, I every morning I look at it, and say, is everything okay? And I don't know if it's okay again until the next morning. So it's probably a better idea to get some sort of system to do this. Chickenhead twenty one says, "That's how the internet was invented." Some crazy guys at Cambridge University wanted to know if their coffee pot was empty before they went down to get a cup of coffee. The, the famous Cambridge coffee pot cam. I don't know if that's how the Internet was invented, but it definitely was one of the earliest cams. Uh, I should just put a cam at that. That's what I'll do. I'll point a camera at that orange light. If it's green, I'm good. If you've got an idea, 8888, ask Leo. We're all helping each other. That's, that's what this show is all about. As user group of the airwaves. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. They're debating now whether it was for the coffee pot or the internet was invented for cats. I think Cat Videos wins.
3: Ah.
2: I like this project, though. I like this. This seems like a fun project. It's one of those things you start, <clears throat> and six months later, you finally got it working, and it plays music. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888 Ask Leo, line one, Jim, Denver, Colorado. Hello, Jim. How you doing, Leo? I'm well. How are you?
7: I'm doing real good. I think you need to really overemphasize the and the tech guy. <laughs> because that last one blew my mind. <laughs> that was a little geeky, wasn't it? Sometimes else. Raspberry Pi. I mean you guys lost me right.
2: Sometimes I forget that uh, we're talking we're supposed to be talking English, not geek. And uh, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Everything makes sense, and then uh, I re- yeah, I apologize. A Raspberry Pi is a little 35 computer that can run Windows or Linux. It's really an amazing thing. A lot of schools use them to teach. A lot of people use them for products because projects, because it's 35 bucks, well. That's not. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? In fact, I, I just have them to play with them. They're so cool. So that's what a raspberry pie is. It <laughs> has nothing cool. to do with fruit or pies. Unfortunately. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, Leo, my
7: question's uh, hopefully easier uh, I hope or so basic too. or just way off in left
2: field. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah. Now, sometimes the easiest questions for you are the hardest ones for me, but go ahead. <laughs> well, is, is a VPN really worth it for my family,
7: for security, all that fun stuff? That's a and great then the question. second question yeah. is, is there a way to use a VPN to help control content for my kids
2: uh, who are younger? Yes. So, no, a VPN does not do that, but there is something that does that will also help protect you a little bit, um, and that's a a service I use called OpenDNS. Now, you may have this service in your router. If you buy an Eero router, a Plume router, there are a number of mesh routers out there that offer a $99 add-on. Eero is a good example. You'll get a VPN and you'll get content protection for your kids, but they're two different things. A virtual private network is really about encrypting, scrambling your data so that somebody who's on your network or monitoring your network can't see what you're doing. So they're most commonly used, not at home, but at a coffee shop, at a hotel, anywhere you're on a public internet network. You might use a VPN to either call your home or to call the office or to call a VPN provider. And that way, Keep anybody on the open Wi-Fi access point from seeing what you're doing. Completely separate from separ- you know, filtering out the bad stuff for your kids. I, if you just want a software solution for your kids, you can put this on your router. If your router doesn't have it built in, it's OpenDNS, OpenDNS.com. They have a free and they have a paid service, and it does a number of things. It does make you more secure. You start using their DNS, but it also keeps your kids uh, protected because they can't go to bad sites, and you have a variety of categories you can use. And this is something you might put on your router instead of individual computers. That way, every computer in the house is protected. So opendns.com to protect your kids. If you wanted to it's a, whether everybody should use a VPN or not is really an open question. It depends on how nervous you are how careful you are, and how much of a target you are. Uh, sometimes people use VPNs at home because they don't want their Internet service provider to know what they're doing. number of Internet service providers, including very some very big names, sell the data that uh, – but you know what? Everybody's selling your data. Your TV set is selling your data, for crying out loud. Sell Sell the data about what you do online – that's valuable. And so a lot of ISPs do that. So sometimes people who are especially privacy conscious, I'm not going to use the word paranoid, but you might. But some people who are especially. I appreciate that. No <laughs> judgment, Leo. So thank <laughs> no, you. No judgment here, but some people are a little nervous about, you know, I figure my ISP knows everything anyway. You would protect yourself against that with a VPN at home. Um, there are downsides to VPNs, a number of them. The number one downside is speed. You do have some loss of speed because you're connecting through another server out there. A good VPN. We have a sponsor, Express VPN that actually is just as fast as not using it because they have lots of servers and they devote a lot of bandwidth. But that can vary. There are other downsides. Some services won't let you use a VPN because they think, well, you're trying to hide who you are. I don't, you know, we our chat room won't let you use a VPN because we want to keep people anonymous. You know, trollers out of there. So that may limit some of the things you can do. Speed, limit some of the things you can do. Um, Compatibility issues, that kind of thing. I think it's probably prudent to use a VPN when you're out and about, like at a coffee shop or at a hotel if you're traveling, uh, because those are notoriously poorly configured, often very insecure. There might be, it probably is a good idea to use a VPN. At home, I don't, you know, unless you really want to. Unless you're super privacy con- conscious, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, it's overkill at home, but worth it on so. the road. That's yeah, a huge yeah, help, Leo. Yeah, that's my answer, I guess. Uh, yeah, Thank you for putting that in a nutshell. Yeah, that's what I'm here for, right? And for your kids, I think OpenDNS is great. But if you ever upgrade your router, look for a router that supports that. And Eero uh, is a fantastic choice. Uh, that's what we use uh, for my kid, my 17-year-old. He can't get to violent sites, gambling sites, sex sites, adult sites. Um, and it and it also logs his traffic. I keep an eye on him, and more importantly, perhaps even than that, it it blocks malware. So a good provider like OpenDNS or Eero will keep you from getting phishing emails. It'll block that out. So that's great. Thank you again, Leo. My really pleasure. Great question. Yeah, two different functions, both of which are very useful. And as with as with all of this privacy stuff, it just really depends on your level of concern. You know, I'm on the air. I'm in, living in the public. I, I'm i more worried about security. I don't want to get hacked than I am about privacy because I don't have any anyway. But somebody else might be more worried about privacy than security. It it's really comes down to you. And this is where you have to kind of think about what your threat model is and what you want to protect yourself against. Leo Laporte, teca Thank you, Lady Laura, our musical director. She's keeping our energy up. Our spirits high, and our feet a twinkling. Yeah, Michael in Simi, California, Simi Valley, California. Hi, Michael. Well, wow, I'm on. You're on. Yay! Sorry wow. to keep you waiting so long. I appreciate your patience.
10: No, it's okay. I'm. I'm kind of. I've got you on three different screens, and they're all on <laughs> different. Uh...
2: Pretty soon, you're going to appear on screen one, then you'll appear on screen two, then you'll appear on screen three. Bit by bit, we will get you on all three screens.
10: Yeah, well, none of the sound is on.
2: (laughs) Good. Because otherwise, it would be extremely confusing.
10: Yeah, and I'm playing with Lightroom at the same time, which I'm learning how to use. Nice. Oh, fun. Are you getting into photography? Is this a new hobby for you? Well, it's actually an old hobby. I, I did, you know, 35 millimeter for a long time, and I just got a DSLR about a year ago. But wow, now exciting. I'm getting a little more involved. I was at CES, so I took a lot of photos. Fun. And uh, Friday night, we went over to the Bellagio. I forgot my tripod, but I did have one of those little, you know, uh, little.
2: Like a thing. gorilla a gorilla pod or something like
10: that. Yeah, whatever they call it. Yeah. Anyway, so I went out of the Bellagio, watched the water show, and I did, I wanted to do some, you know, some, uh, like, 8 and 13 second
2: shots. Yeah, so the water the smooths out and becomes soft. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a nice effect.
10: And I was really excited about um, playing with those today. And they're, they're on my camera, but when I take the SD card out and plug it into the back of my computer, they're not there. Uh, uh. There's a... Everything else is there, but not those photos.
2: Huh. You sure you didn't shoot video by accident?
10: No, because I put it back in my camera, and it's, it's there. They're there, but they're not—I I don't know what's going on. Now, <laughs> I haven't tried to do the Wi-Fi thing. I have a Canon, just just a Rebel T6. Yeah,
2: Canon has a very nice uh, application that lets you copy it to— uh, tablet or to a phone i i do that on the road i still want to do what you're doing which is take out the sd card and move it to the hard drive but on the road it's nice if you want to quickly post an instagram or a facebook or something you could just read off the pictures you want from the camera via wi-fi if you if you can see it in the thumbnail i'm sure that picture is there remember though that the image that's displayed on your camera in the little in the lcd is different than the actual file uh, that you shot. It's an embedded thumbnail, not the actual photo. So I don't know why I even bring that up. The fact that the thumbnail's there kind of makes me think that the photo's there, too. So you've looked in the the first thing you look in is a DCIM folder, right? And you've looked in there. Yeah. And you see all your other shots. Are you shooting JPEG or RAW? RAW. Okay. So uh, you you should see those Canon RAW files.
10: Exactly. They're just files, but they're, I don't know, that's... It's, it's weird,
2: weird, isn't it? I would look through, you notice that there's a complicated folder structure. I would look at all the... fact, I'd just copy everything off that SD card and go through it, because maybe because it was a time-lapse... How did you shoot it? it yeah. did, did you shoot it a single shot with the shutter open for eight seconds? Is that how you did it?
3: Yes. Yes.
2: So that should and just look like, look, look, look like a regular RAW file. That shouldn't look like anything different. The only I di- know. yeah. The only difference is and you left have the have shutter lots of open.
10: Photos that are showing up. I, I have lots of others that I took while I was
2: at CES.
10: You know, and and they're all showing up. It's just the ones that I took. While I was, uh, you know, uh, Friday night
2: in front of the Bellagio fountains. So uh, it's a mystery. The only thing, and this worries me, some you know SD cards fail, uh, this flash yeah, memory. I've heard you say that, and it could be that those photos. This is why I mentioned the thumbnail thing. That the photo files themselves are gone. The thumbnails exist in some index somewhere, but the actual raw files are gone. Yeah. Uh. Um I I uh, think yeah I know that would be bad. Um so I would uh you know there is software like Recova, Recuva R E C U V A that you could okay. put on your computer and run against the um is it a Windows machine? No, it's a It's a Mac. A Mac desktop, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think is Windows only, but there are similar programs. Um, you only have one SD card in that uh, EOS, right? Yes. Okay. You don't have a second. I've got card. others,
10: but I'm I'm only using one right now. Yeah.
2: Some some yeah. some uh, DSLRs have dual slots, but you only have one. Um, boy, I anyway, I'm yeah. really puzzled. You might try somebody suggesting this is true that it, connect a USB cable to your Rebel uh and and try pulling it off in other words using the camera as a card reader maybe that will work better right the camera sounds like the camera can see it but it also may be that the the sd card is damaged and damaged in a way that you still see the. i mean this is far-fetched but it's possible damage that you still see the thumbnail but that the raw original is gone and if that's the that case, then you might want to try to run recovery software against that SD card. Although, okay. honestly, when a, when a memory cell fails on an SD card, it fails. It's gone. Yeah, It's, it's, it's dead. Toast. Yeah. So I would you know, maybe even be careful about using that card again until you solve this mystery. Okay. No, good idea. Yeah, I'll
10: try a couple of other things. By the way, I just have to say, your analogy, like uh, CES being like a football game, I think it's more like a golf tournament <laughs> because it's all
2: over the freaking place. It is
10: huge. And you can't see squats. You can't see squats. You I can't. See here.
2: There's 4,500 4, booths, year. each booth with multiple products. How could you see a fraction of that? you can't. And that's why
10: I always, I always, you know, like you said, just watch it on, on whatever.
2: Read the blogs. You know, you're not going to, they're not going to see everything either, but you hope that with a hundred different journalists, you'll, you'll get the highlights anyway. Um, The only reason to go to CES is frankly, the same reason you want to go to a golf tournament or a football game for the environment, for the atmosphere to hang out with the fans. You don't go because you're going to get the best view of CES. Far from it.
10: Exactly. But I still love to go. It's, it's a good excuse to go to Vegas, too, so.
2: I love it. Ve- I know. I love going to Vegas. Uh, it's usually a little more fun when there isn't a giant conference going on, but uh, CES has yeah, so many toys. So, yeah. Do you go every year? I, I do. I've been going
10: for 16 years, I wow. think. Wow. You yeah. work in the industry? I, I do. I do home theater installs, ah. which which we don't see a lot of at CES anymore. CEDIA is more applicable. Right. But I still, I just love to go. So Well,
2: I, and there's one thing you can't get from a tech blog, and that is the scope, the size, the majesty, the beauty of a giant 8K micro LED screen. Did you see Samsung's The exactly. Wall? That's awesome.
10: OMG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The <laughs> Sony one, I thought was
2: better, though. Oh, the quality, yeah, I agree. I think Sony's was fantastic. Uh, I was very impressed with the Chinese manufacturers. Konka, TCL, Hisense, all yeah, had beautiful really 8K. Well. I really feel like five, ten years from now, you'll be doing a bunch of micro LED installs. That Those 8K micro LEDs just look amazing. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. I told my wife. Yeah, I said, right that's our myself, TV that's in 2028. <laughs> What's that? I told my wife, that's our TV in 2028.
10: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know my my wife comes with me as well, and it's a part yeah, of we look at that. Yeah, nice. I don't
2: know. our wall isn't big enough. Hey, a pleasure talking to you. I hope you didn't lose those shots, but at least if you did, you you found out now before you reuse that card. I I'd be very careful with that card. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's wrap it up right after this. That is an interesting question. That's a mystery, right? Oh, I should have said that. If you're importing from, uh, with Apple, oh, I bet you that's what it is. I bet you that's what it is. Pinch Filmont may have nailed it. If you're importing with Apple's uh, Photos app, and you're importing raw, I should have said this, I'll say it when we get back and you're importing RAW, I know you're still watching because you had three screens, it will not show anything it can't read. So I'll look at my card. With my Sony A7, it doesn't know the RAW file format yet. I'll look at the card, and it says there's nothing on the card. There's no pictures. There is. Photos can't see it. So whatever you do, don't try to import it with photos. You said you're using Lightroom. Lightroom absolutely should be able to read an EOS, uh, what you said was a 6.0. Uh, absolutely should be able to read that raw file but photos may not apple's not maybe not all the way up to date so maybe that's it oh but it's showing his other raw files yeah you're right darn it that's not it <laughs> i thought i had it well i just want to thank you for being here i want to thank lady laura our musical director we couldn't do it without her we of course kim Schaffer, our phone angel answering the calls most of all i want to thank you for being here thank you for letting me be your geek Your tech guy, Leo Laporte. Last segment of the weekend. We're going to be back next weekend. I don't have to go to CES this week, so I'll be rested. Although, you know, there is some stuff coming up. February 11th, Samsung says they're going to introduce the new Samsung Galaxy S phone. Some people say, is it the S20? It won't be the S... What would it be? The S12? The S11? I can't... I've lost count. Uh, Maybe the S20. Then I saw another name. Somebody else said, no, no, it's going to be the... 2020, I don't know. We'll see new Samsung Galaxy S phones February 11th, and maybe a new folding phone, a flip folding phone from Samsung. So, uh, that's coming up. Uh, Let's see here. I want to go to line three, because that's Hugh in Savannah, Georgia. Hello, Hugh. Hey, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. I'll I'll try to make this
8: quick. I have a first cousin, who's uh, in her early 80s, uh, I'm in my early 70s, uh, and she had a stroke a couple of years ago, oh, and her, unfortunately, a lot of her short-term memory was uh, harmed, and she had purchased some records from either Apple, iTunes, one of those, where uh, it was downloaded with a, uh, a WMA file, but with uh, DRM encoding yeah we have we have looked and looked and looked and we cannot find it on her computer. I have a buddy who's real quiz with uh um Linux and we were able to get the password to get into the computer, but we can't get into her folder. Is there something that will play that uh at least
2: so oh yeah it it's that it's Yeah, Yeah. WMA, by the way, is from Windows. Those are Windows media files. So Uh she bought it probably from Microsoft Groove or one of the Microsoft music stores. Uh, She might have bought it from another one. But removing it is not uh, a challenge. As you might expect, with most DRM, this is what's called digital rights management. I call it copy protection. Most DRM has been cracked and can be removed without a whole lot of... uh, Trouble. Um, You just have to find a program to do it. Uh, The one that I use is called DRM Media Converter. DRM? Media Converter. But if you search for remove DRM from WMA files, you'll find a lot of these. And this is why I hate copy protection. By the way, she bought these a while ago because everybody stopped doing it because they realized it was no good. The only people who are at all you know slowed down by copy protection is honest people like you (laughs) crooks know how to get rid of it it's easy so uh, so now guess what you you have to learn the tools of the trade you have to learn how to crack copy protection good job
8: well she can't do a
2: lot of things because she is somewhat hampered but yeah she wants her music she wants her music Music she hath charms to soothe the savage heart, and uh, and I think her music, uh, very often, especially with people with memory issues, can bring back just a flood of memories, and it's just a wonderful thing. So I think you're I think you're absolutely on the right track, Hugh. Um,
8: All right, DRM media converter, or just search for drm
2: removal yeah once you know that 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 is what's called drm it's easy to find something to remove drm from wma files but drm uh media converter uh is not free but it's a it's i think 35 bucks there are there are free tools out there as well so there's lots of lots of ways to do this thanks very much my pleasure you're you're taking good care of your sis take care hugh I appreciate it. Yeah, music of course, it's our um it's the soundtrack of our lives. It's like like others, like senses like smell and and but hearing it when you you know those songs. Isn't it the case, you know, when you hear a song that maybe your your first kiss or your first dance that like, the whole thing comes back when you hear that song. It's our song. Lori, Santa Monica. Hi Lori, Leo Laporte the tech guy. Hi Leo. Hey Lori.
9: <laughs> so I want to help my dad make a photo book of some really old, amazing photos oh. he's got. He's 86. So oh, he's got what pictures g- from
8: great idea. when he
9: was a baby yeah. and all kinds of neat stuff. And they're all in boxes, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> totally not organized. No. So I know I need to scan them. And. I'm wondering if the best way to do it is from an app on my phone, which would be easy, or if it's better to do it from, like, my
2: printer. You know, I mean, there are scanners uh, that'll do photo scanning. Uh, Epson has photo scanners, uh, our advertiser, the Fast Photo, and you just, it's fast because it's about one per second, so you just put them in as a sheet feeder. So you put a little stack in, it goes, and it's done. But it's expensive, and if you're going to, you know, it's great if you've got thousands of them. Um, a lot of times the fastest way, that's probably the fastest, the next fastest way to do it, but it's a little more time consuming is with your camera, with your phone or with a Uh still camera. The best way to do it would be to have a little easel you set up that's evenly lit, maybe even a tripod for your camera. You put a picture in there, you snap it, next one, snap it, next one, snap it, next one. And it's good to have it set up that way. So everything's square. You don't have weird keystoning and stuff like that. Mm, uh, but is
1: a, there an app that does that? Oh, there
2: are a lot of them. Yeah, if you search, for, okay. you, you said you have an iPhone or an Android phone?
3: Yeah, an iPhone.
2: iPhone. Yeah, if you search for scanner, there are a lot of them. Google makes one. Uh, I don't think Apple makes one, but there's a ton of exactly this kind of thing for the iPhone. But I would get a little tripod and a little easel just so that, first of all, you 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 want it, you don't want to have to, you don't, you don't want it blurry, you don't want to have to hold it up the whole time. So if there's a lot of them. You know, I again, I like the fast photo. That's really what it's made to do. A lot of people use it for that purpose. Uh, that's at okay. Epson.com slash fast photo Leo. They're a sponsor. So, but, but you, you can also, it depends on kind of how much time and trouble you want to go. And in fact, a lot of people say, I ain't got the time. We had a bunch of slides, which are harder to do. You can't take a picture of slides. And uh, right. my sister brought them down to a service bureau, and they cleaned them and scanned them for about, uh, I think it was 30 or $0.40 cents a slide, which, given them out of time, there's companies like Scan Cafe that will send you a what looks like a shoebox, and you just put everything in there, and then you send it back to them, and they'll send you a DVD with all the pictures. Okay. So there's okay. lots of ways to do this. If if it's If you've got the albums there, you don't want to take the photos out of the album. Uh, no, they're in bo- the photos are in shoeboxes, shoe boxes. boxes, just like everybody yeah. else, right? Yep, yep, yep. Google has one uh, called Photo Scan that does exactly this. It's okay. smart, too, because if the phone's a little tilted, normally what you'd do is you wouldn't get a square. You'd get kind of a weird parallelogram. It will actually, they call it keystoning, it'll actually adjust it and fix it.
3: So, okay. So
2: that would be a good one to try. It's, you know what, do it with your phone. See how long you can go. <laughs> Are there thousands yeah. of them?
9: Well, I you know I want to make a book, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, you're gonna
2: pick the ones you want. It. Yeah,
9: exactly. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's that's probably the way I, to do it.
9: I've I've used Apple Photo Book before, but they don't have it anymore. They no,
2: but they'll the refer you. One. They'll refer you to another one. Like uh, my favorite is Blurb, B L U R B. But there's also Shutterstock okay. is great, and there are a lot of tr- lot of ways to do this. Not shutter, stuck shutter fly shutter fly, shutter fly, right? And blurb, okay. All right, nice, Laurie. That's a great thing to do for your dad. What a that's a great project. You'll have fun doing it too. Hey, thank you, everybody, for being here. I'm Leo Laporte. I want to say the tech guy, your tech guy. I'll see you next week. Well, that's it for the tech guy show for today. Thank you so much for being here. And don't forget, TWIT, T-W-I-T, it stands for This Week in Tech, and you'll find it at twit.tv, including the podcasts for this show. We talk about Windows and Windows Weekly, Macintosh on MacBreak Weekly, iPads, iPhones, Apple Watches on iOS Today, Security and Security Now. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, of course, the big show every Sunday afternoon, This Week in Tech. You'll find it all at twit.tv. And I'll be back next week with another great Tech Guy show. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.